Uh, who was here last week? Anybody last week? Oh, you guys are like furniture. Oh, cool. So last week we started a new sermon series. As we do every year for the prayer and fast. Uh, those who were here last week, I won't test you, but there's going to be a test later. And there's, there's, there's chocolates. Okay, so there's tests later. So a uh, new sermon series called Set Apart. And it's all about being set apart for the holiness of God. And last week, Marina started the sermon series speaking about the holiness of God. And today, we're speaking about holiness lost. The holiness lost. Uh, who at the, where they stay have got a problem with mosquitoes? Anyone? Mosquitoes? Yes. So where we live, we have a problem. We face death by mosquito every night in the summertime. And so we've put up mosquito nets above every bed. Feels like we're in East Africa. Every night is a safari. But here's the problem. I have a five-year-old son and a two-year-old daughter. So who would bet that those nets come down at least two or three times a year? Yes. And then dad has to be the hero that just puts them back up. Okay. Now you would think that as a man, I would be wise enough to take the five steps to the linen closet and go fetch something that looks like this. To grip your nose. Because we don't. As men, we don't. We should. But what do we do? We go take something that looks like this. And I'll put this thing on the bed. And then I get on that thing and it looks like I'm learning how to surf. So my wife has to come and grab the, grab the chair. And it looks like I know how to surf, but I'm still surfing. And I put that little hook into the ceiling. But now I can't get down. So now my five-year-old son has to hand me the mosquito net so I can put it back up. So now it takes three people to the job that one person should have done. Because this piece of equipment has got a specific purpose, as does this one. This one's purpose is to get you to a higher position. Put the screw in, get that bag of chips from the topmost cupboard, fix the light bulb. This one is so you can comfortably sit down. Yes? Because otherwise, we could have just put a bunch of ladders in here and you could have seated, been seated very comfortably. No. You'd be very uncomfortable after five minutes of me speaking. Okay, so we have chairs and we have ladders. And here's the thing. This thing has been set apart for a specific purpose, as has the chair. See, set apart means to be set to one side, not just for a specific purpose, but a special purpose. And in our lives, there are some of us here tonight that you've been created, you've been set apart to live the life as a ladder, but you're living life as a chair. And then some of us here tonight that have been called to live as chairs, but we're living life as, as ladders. And so the question is, why do, why, why do we do this? Why is this the natural tendency of saved people, not, just, not lost people, people in church? Why do we live this way? And it's because of holiness lost. So today we're going to look at what did we lose? And what does it look like? And what can we do to remedy the state of being? And so we're going to read a very well-known piece, Genesis 3. Even the atheists that I meet on campus know 
Genesis 3 because they don't agree with Genesis 3. They don't agree with the fall of man and the sinful condition of man. But we're going to look at Genesis 3. So I want you to stand with me as we, we honor the word of God just for the reading and then you can sit again. Genesis 3 verses 1 to 8. Now the serpent was craftier than any other beast in the field that the Lord had made. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of any tree in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you will surely not die, for God knows that when you eat of of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was a delight to the eyes, and that it was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate, and she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both were open, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loincloths. And they heard the son of the Lord walking in the garden, the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees in the garden. You may be seated. Now the problem is that we have been set apart for a specific purpose in life. And we live another way. We have positioned ourselves out of the presence, out of the house of God. Just like the prodigal son. He puts himself positionally outside the father's house. So he, he cannot receive the blessing, the provision, or anything else that the father may, may give him. Protection. There's no provision, protection, or blessings with the pigs. That's where he ends up. Because he has positioned himself outside of God's purposes for his life. See, our God being sovereign and good, His blessings, His grace, His mercy, His giftings, His spirit, every single thing flows from Him continuously. It goes everywhere, all the time, to everyone, but not everybody is able to receive because they have positioned themselves incorrectly. And this is what's happened in the garden. The most interesting that I saw here was that the snake says, did God really say you're not allowed to eat of any of the fruit? And what does Eve say? No, we can eat of the fruit, but that one, we're not allowed to eat and we're not allowed to touch it. God never said that. He only said you're not allowed to eat. See where gossip started? Yeah? No. Seriously, the thing that stands out here to me is that the serpent spoke. And here's the thing. He started speaking in the garden, and he's never stopped speaking since. Maybe he spoke to you today. Did God actually say that you have to go to church? Well, last week when you were in service, and Marinus brought the word, did God, is God actually that holy? Maybe when we're singing the, the third song, and you're like, is God really that faithful? I've prayed to God, or the, the whisper would be, you've prayed to God, but you never received what you trusted for. You trusted for that person, you lost that person, 
And the question that is whispered in your ears, is God really that faithful? As a community, as a society, in our cultural moment, we've created loudspeakers for the voice of the serpent. You know what that they are called? They're called universities. Where we teach students to become gods unto themselves and that there's no absolute truth. There's no God. Your truth is the truth. And you can live your truth. And so we end up with things like cancel culture and gender fluidity and a bunch of stuff that is not biblical and it causes more harm than good. What about our choices? Did God really say that you shouldn't live with one another if you're not married? Did God really say that I have to give a tithe or pay my taxes? Did God really say that I should not pray to my ancestors? The voice has not stopped speaking for thousands of years. He's persistent. It's daily. Sometimes speaking, sometimes whispering, sometimes shouting. But he's there always. The great news, the wonderful news, is that God runs after us like we sang. It's great theology in that, in that song. He pursues us. He doesn't stop. He doesn't relent. And where the devil has to have an army that whispers, God is present everywhere himself. He doesn't need the angels to do that. He speaks to you directly. And I love what God did here. Do you think that, that God was caught unawares? He came down, walking down, asking where they are, and they're like, you sinned? No. God being sovereign sat in heaven and watched this unfold. He knew when he came down that he was going to find them in this sinful state. And yet he comes down like he always does, patiently. He walks in the cool of night and calls them by name. Adam, Eve, where are you? Caring, loving, comes to them. He asks them three times, three questions. He gives them ample opportunity to own up to their sin, which they don't. That is the God we serve when, when everything goes wrong, but our sin has separated us from God. We haven't separated ourselves. It's interesting when, when I read this, they, they come out in front of God and they're clothed. They've clothed themselves realizing they were naked. So they felt shame. I have a two-year-old daughter, and she'll come out and she'll, she'll call Papa. And I've learned that there are many Papas. There are different intonations to that word, and they mean different things. And so there's one version that I know that, that I wear that behind me, and I turn around, she's going to be in a dress. And mom's done her hair, and dad has to say, you look beautiful. And so one morning, my wife is in Cape Town for three days for work. So dad is manning up. He's doing what dad should do. Yes. And I'm in the kitchen. I'm getting the, the bags right, correct. I'm packing everything for school. And then I hear this word behind me. Papa. And I know it's that specific papa. But now here's the problem. I've already dressed her. I have done her hair. Not too badly. I've already told her she looks beautiful. So something is wrong. All that happens in like a millisecond and I turn around and I feel like Batman. 
because I'm face to face with the Joker. She's gotten hold of mom's lipstick. A two-year-old, and it's a dark red lipstick. The lips, the cheeks. She's even had a dash across the forehead, kind of into her hair, which is worse. Lipstick in the hair, you don't get that out with a wet wipe. But the thing is, there was no shame. She was proud of what she'd done. We don't see that in the garden. They knew. They knew they were naked. They were confronted by their shame. And still God comes to them. And they know that they've been separated from God because of their sin. And we, we see that in Isaiah. If you've ever read the beginning of the one-to-one, you'll know this verse. It is because of your iniquities that you've been separated from God. Your sin. But God's heart is fantastic. Because in Romans we read, while you were still sinners, God gave his life. See, his love for us never ceases. We're never disconnected from his love. But sin brings separation. Sin brings division and because of sin, we've lost relationship with God himself. The thing that flows out from that is because we have that loss of relationship, there's also a loss of relationships amongst ourselves. If you go on one chapter to chapter four, we see that Adam and Eve are two sons, and then the one son kills the other son. We see it in our society today. We have the Israeli conflict. We have the Russia and Ukraine war. Our relationships have suffered because we have missed the relationship with God. I also know that some of you, some of you are dreading to go back to campus or work tomorrow or whenever that may be in the next couple of weeks because you really dislike the people you work with or study with. It's just a fact of life. It's not that you don't enjoy your work or your studies, you just don't like the people. And we live in toxic environments. We work in toxic environments. I listen to calls that my wife is on, and I'm like, how bad is that leadership? Blame shifting, just like what happened here. That's not my fault, it's the wife you gave me. That's not my fault, I listen to the serpent. And we continuously hear that, and our work environments are toxic. But for some of you, it's the other way around. You can't wait to get a campus or work because you hate the family that you're living in. I don't know why some people are looking at other people. That's just, are you that family? Because, anyway. In the next couple of weeks, we're going to be hearing a bunch of slogans and a bunch of stuff said about other people because we're heading towards an election. Yes? And so a bunch of people with different colored T-shirts are going to be saying a bunch of stuff. The blue shirts are going to be saying, listen, don't, don't vote for, the, uh, for those green shirts. Because those potholes and, and the fine, everything we're in, it's their fault. But the green shirts are going to say, don't vote for the blue shirts, because that's going to set us back 30 years. And anyway, everything we have, it's their fault. But both of them are saying, don't, just, just don't vote for the red shirts. Because then, and I don't care. 
Vote for whoever God tells you to vote for. But the one thing I've never heard from a politician, except that, shifting this way and that way, is saying, you know what? That's our problem. You know what? We made a mistake. You know what? We caused an issue there and it's going to cost us a, a billion rand and a whole year, but we're going to fix that. You know what? If, if one of them actually did that, we'd probably all vote for them irrespective of, t irrespective of the color of the t-shirt. But we have broken relationships all over because of this disconnect of sin and the shame that goes along with it. So we've lost God, relationship with God. We've lost relationship with people. We are the most pessimistic, distracted, indebted, socially and politically divided, anxious, isolated, technology-addicted, consumer-driven, disillusioned, and stressed people in history. I'll say it again. We are the most pessimistic, distracted, indebted, socially and politically divided, anxious, isolated, technology-addicted, consumer-driven, disillusioned, and stressed people in history. Because our lives have become about us. Me, not us as a whole, but the individual. It's about me, it's about my desires, it's about I can get, it's about how I can climb the corporate ladder, it's about how, where I can end up, so what I can gain, so what I can have, and most of the time at the cost of the person next to me. And we end up with a society that looks like that. But see, like Adam and Eve, we get to a place where we realize that we are naked. All of us are naked. We're sitting with a bunch of naked people in this auditorium. And like them, we realize that we have to color, uh, cover our nakedness. And like them, the only thing that we have to cover our nakedness is fig leaves. We only have fig leaves. And I'm going like, what are you talking about? Well, let me give you some examples of fig leaves. See how that works out for you. Relationships. When that person is happy, I'm happy. If that person looks at me with adoration, my nakedness is covered. If that person is interested in me, I'm not insecure. I'm covered. But the thing is, we're all people. We're all broken. And at some point, every person will disappoint another person. As leaders will disappoint you at some point. Your spouse will disappoint you. Before you get married, you think, and then you disappoint your wife continuously. And so you learn very quickly that you are not perfect. We are broken. And if your fig leaf is relationships, your nakedness will quickly be uncovered. I, I remember as a 20-year-old in my 20s, I met fantastic women. And I would date them for two or three months and then I'd leave them because they got too close. And, here's a, and that's what we do. We keep people at a distance because as soon as they get too close, they're going to see our nakedness. And we can't allow them to see our nakedness. We can't allow them to see through or past that fig leaf. And so I've heard, 
a bunch of fantastic women in my 20s. But that's what we do. About kids, not a lot of you have kids, so I'll pick on, pick on the SO. See, so when you get your kids, you can't make kids the center of your universe. That belongs to God. See, but as parents, we get to a place where if my kid is very obedient, if he's just sitting there quietly, then I'm a fantastic parent. I'm doing everything right. And then that two-year-old will look at you and say, well, let me show you. And they lose their minds. They channel the unholy trinity. And it doesn't matter if you talk, sing, pray, call down fire from heaven. Nothing changes. My two-year-old, a couple of weeks ago, just in the holidays, we were at the spa. And so I, go, I take the two kids to spa to go buy bread and milk and the basics just so that my wife can have a break. So if she needs a big break and there's time, we'll walk to the spa. My wife gets about an hour. Uh, if we don't have that much time, it's getting dark, we'll drive. My wife gets about 15 minutes. And so it's a quick drive one. And so we get a couple of things and these, both of them want trolleys. So we've, I have to kind of this trolley race, handle this trolley race through spa. Um, but we, we survive the trolley race and so does or does all the pedestrians and so we get to the till and I'm packing stuff out and I'm trying to get Kai to get off, Kai off the till and then I hear the sound of a, a, a woman laughing and I turn this way and the manager is laughing and I track her eyes and I find my two-year-old has already taken off her pants and she's busy taking off her nappy and very quickly my nakedness is uncovered in the spa. Kids will uncover your nakedness. Oh, money. Money will cover your nakedness. Makes you feel powerful. Makes you feel... Uh, have you seen someone with money walk into a place? Like into a restaurant or something? There's a, there's a swagger. People walk differently if they've got money. Don't they? M mostly. Okay? Uh, money makes you feel affirmed. I remember as a student, and even as a young man just starting work, you'd, you'd go have a drink with the mates, with the guys, and there'd always be one or two people, especially that week after payday, that would buy rounds. They're not buying rounds, they're buying acceptance. They're buying the, the friendships for that night from the men sit, sitting there. They're wearing fig leaves and they're using money as fig leaves to cover insecurities and sin and shame. Or work. If, you ask, if I were to ask you, who are you? Who are you, Heinrich? Who are you, Bianca? Who are you, Ichu? Jan, wie What would you say? Because when we have interviews, I could have sitting a bunch of our interviews at church, and you ask that question, and the response is always what they do. I'm an accountant. I'm a lawyer. It's always the work. No, no, no. If you lost your job today, you're not an attorney, who are you? Most people can't answer that. Can you answer that question? Or are you defined by what you do? You've got a fig leaf. How about religion? 
I come to church, I tithe, I serve, I've got a connect group, I'm going to be at prayer Monday night, Tuesday Wednesday, uh, morning, Tuesday morning, Wednesday morning, Thursday night, and Friday night. I am giving my all to church to see what a great Christian I am. Everything up to see what a great Christian I am is cool if you do it for Jesus. But as soon as you do it to gain something else, you've got a fig leaf. And you know when you see this fig leaf? It's when that person that does all these things that looks like this great Christian, when life happens, when that storm comes, and all of a sudden they don't know where God is. They start doubting God. They start doubting their salvation because where is this God? I've done everything correctly. Why is he not there? Why am I going through this? I've ticked all the boxes. And religion is a fig leaf. Or pleasure. Man, are we a generation in our cultural moment that runs after pleasure? It's like we have this, this void in us that can't be filled. Have a couple of beers, chase after girls, watch pornography, binge watch series. Doesn't God say, cast my cares onto him? Shouldn't I be relaxing because of the presence of God in my life and the rest can follow? But no, we run to those things to relax. And so there are fig leaves that cover things in our life. The problem with a fig leaf is as soon as it's plucked from the tree, it starts to die. It becomes brittle or it rots. And you need a new fig leaf. And so all of us are running around, myself included. This week, we, we had our orientation at church, our staff summit, because we want to look or sound lani. So we had a summit. But I'm just teasing Rude. We had an orientation. And we had a brilliant word from Roger Pierce, uh, which is our regional uh, leader in Southern Africa. So it's about holiness. And right after him, Philip Pretorius, our visionary leader in the city, gives another word. And between those two, I was so convicted about fig leaves, without realizing it, fig leaves in my life. I spent some time just sitting with God and saying, God, I missed it. There's a couple of things in my life that's kind of just crept back through the holidays. Why don't you just deal with those? All of us covered in fig leaves. All of us naked. All of us exposed because we try to cover these and handle these things by ourselves. And the thing is, we can't. We can't cover these things by ourselves. We need God. So in chapter 3, verse 21, it says that God came down, or when he came down, he made them garments of skin. And he clothed them. God clothed them by blood. And so that happens throughout the Bible up to a point where Romans says that Jesus, coming in the same nature as sinful flesh, dealt with sin permanently. And his blood paid the price. But I want to illustrate how beautiful that is. So here's the test. I told you it would come, you should have been prepared. You had like 20 minutes. Okay, so how many, if you were in the service this morning, Weich, 
You're not allowed to answer. Okay, how many chapters in the Bible speaks about creation? Give us Give us a bite. How many chapters? Kiara? Take a guess. Put up like a, oh, 100%. There's a chocolate. Two, two chapters speaks about creation. Nobody got it this morning. And in fear and trembling, she raised two fingers. I think it's because she's engaged. Two is on her mind. Two people becoming one, two people becoming one. Two people, two people want chocolate, two people want chocolate. No monkeys. I can tease them because I'm officiating the marriage. Anyway. So I get ready because I'm going to make jokes like this the whole morning when I'm doing that sermon thing. Yes. Anyway, okay. So we've got two, two chapters just on creation. How many chapters on the fall of man? Come on, somebody take a guess. I'm going to start pointing people and like you said, it's very uncomfortable. No, but it's so close. Nine, nine chapters on the fall of man. And at the end of the Bible, we've got a couple of chapters on recreation. Who wants to guess how many chapters on recreation? Come on, so we have that block, this block, so I'm going to pick someone here. Come on, man up. How many chapters? Take a guess. Come on. 50. So close, so close. Two. Two chapters on, on recreation. Thank you for giving it a go. And in between all those, 1,176 chapters of God running after us, pursuing us, going from a place where we, we were in sin and shame, running after his bride, restore her and her purity so that marriage at the end of the ages can happen. 1,176 chapters of God's goodness pursuing us with patience, with love, and relationships personally calling each of us by name. And not just us, all the people out there that still haven't called on his name, like Romans said, while they are still in their sin, he's loving on them. In John we read, uh, Jesus speaks, he says, the Holy Spirit will come and he will, he will judge concerning sin and righteousness and eternal judgment. So he convicts those that have never bowed their knee of their sin and you and I that have bowed our knees to Christ and call upon his name, he convicts us of our righteousness. He tells us, this is who you are. By my blood, this is who you are. You're no longer that. You are loved. You are affirmed. You are a son. You're a daughter. You are my bride. You have been set apart to be my bride. You have been set apart to be holy and live holy. You have been positioned to receive my blessing and my grace and my mercy.
my covering, my protection, my provision. See, we don't receive salvation. We don't receive the blood of Christ for us. We receive it so that Jesus may have his bride and we receive it so that, that the, those who don't know may know and be a part of his bride. Nothing is about us. But in our sin and shame, we've made everything about us. We are called to live according to his purpose. Holy and righteous lives, showing God's character to a lost world in our words, in our actions, and our thoughts, living lives of worship to the King, set apart lives that look different, which means when you care with your mates, you make different jokes, you use different language. The way you use your money looks differently than the rest of your family. The way you worship and who you worship looks different because you are set apart, you have a special purpose and that is to make him known through your life. And we love on people, irrespective of their culture, their race, their social economic standing, their salvation, where they have positioned themselves. We love on people patiently, lovingly, and personally, because that is how he loves us. Could we have the keys, please? And so tonight, I want to give people an opportunity. As I was giving you those examples, what are the fig leaves that you've seen in your life? Those things that you cling to to cover your sin and shame, the things that you've put into place to cover those insecurities so that people, just as long as people don't see the real me, see where I'm not enough. Because God wants to deal with those things by His blood, His power, by the name of the one we call upon, Jesus. Because those things, that nakedness is not of Jesus. God wants to deal with the nakedness. So you don't have to have fig leaves. So I want to ask you tonight, if you identified fig leaves in your life, and you want God to deal with them, I want you to stand. Stand. And just allow God to do what God does. This is what God does. He saves, and then we're saved. He convicts us of our righteousness, and He takes us on a road to become more like Him. And here's all it takes. Like Marina's preached, repent, be baptized. So it's just repentance. It's, you've already acknowledged in your heart what that is. So it's literally just taking 30 seconds and speaking to Jesus about it. Say, so Lord, I've made this a thing. It shouldn't be a thing. I've put this in front of you. And I'm sorry. 
please forgive me. And thank you for that forgiveness. Thank you that, that your blood handles this thing in my life. Just take 30 seconds and just repent. thank you that you lovingly patiently personally pursues us that you run after us that your heart is inclined towards us that you're a good father that when we are positioned in the place that you've called us to when we're aligned with your holiness we can receive your grace your mercy your provision your protection your blessing Father, I thank you for every heart that stood up before you tonight and opened itself up to your spirit. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will hear the calls of these souls tonight and you will answer them according to their prayers and you will deal with the fig leaves in their lives. Thank you, Lord, that we can trust you because you are a good, good father. Thank you guys can be seated. Come on. So I'm going to end up with one statement. So the last slide, Louis, please, on the, on the screen. So we deal with fig leaves. But all fig leaves are part of a plant. There's a root. And so that fig leaf that you've seen, God will deal with it but it's, it comes from a place. And a lot of times we don't know what that place is. So I want to invite you to that little top center green one, Gospel Center Living. We had one last year. If you find someone that did it last year, we had a great report. All that thing does is it shows you what the idols are in your life. Because that fig leaf is connected to an idol and that idol is the root that drives the sin and shame and makes you go back. This morning, um, as we're doing prayer, Bianca Stell had a little corner there. And how if you, if you haven't seen her this year, she's crawling now. And so Bianca Stell is re- uh, quickly learning that being a mom uh, becomes complicated when they move. And as I'm standing there, she's coming and she goes past me underneath the tables and Bianca comes running and she grabs her because there's a plug which I couldn't see from my perspective and she pulls her out, takes her back. Within 10 seconds, she's coming again. And so I grab her and then I flip her around so she's facing that way. And she sits and she looks at me and she comes back and she comes again. And she continuously does this until I bend down and I speak to her and I told her. It's like, this little year old light bulb went up and she crawled the other way. Guess the Holy Spirit spoke to her. But we do that with sin. Because we look like Eve looked 
at that fruit that it's good to look at that it's good for food and that I can gain from it and that's what we do with sin we look at it and we go mm, that looks lacquer I think I'll enjoy doing that I could gain this from that and we keep going back until God deals with the reason we keep going back that's called maturity that's where our corner needs to grow up and she will learn that to go to a plug and put your fingers on her sockets are not a good idea maturity this will help you mature see things in your life that you run to instead of Jesus which allows you to take it before God and repent and have him sort that out so please highlight that in your calendar make the sacrifice for that Friday and that Saturday morning and join us for Gospel Center Living that's the website you can go on the website and register there get all the information don't miss this opportunity to become more like Jesus Amen.